What are we going to do as a church? Our souls need to wake up. We need to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He said, go into the world. We don't want to deal with reality, Christian. We don't even want to deal with reality even though we've been saved from this place. I'm calling on you today in the name of Jesus to rise up to the call of God. Christ is coming back soon. If I start telling people about hell, I might just scare them off. Where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? People stop and think about it. If hell really exists, and it does, I didn't say that Jesus did, then don't you think people need to know about it? Can't you at least give them a fighting chance? Or are you just going to sit there and let them burn? Okay, so it's really good to be here. And um, this, this, this message I have is about life in general, pain, suffering, and, you know, relying on God to change the things, the circumstances in your life. So before I start, let's go to Father. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, I just pray that this message reaches the hearts that it needs reaching, Lord God, and, it's, and also be a, an encouragement to others that, um, that need guidance, Lord God, because breaking free from the, the troubles in our life, some of us think that we could do it on our own, and we can't. We all need you, Lord God, to just ask you to send this message out to whoever needs it. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so today's message is God has many plans. And before we continue, I want to just um, open a text to Colossians 3, and we can stand as we read God's word. Colossians 3, 1 through 8. All right, and so it starts off, it says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Of its creator. And so, that ends the reading of our text. <laughs> and so, um, do, I, do I need to? Okay. We battle with pain, and when we come to Christ, you know, a lot of us just, we attend church, but we don't really get into our word, or his word, I should say, because 
we, we tend to neglect his word and, and we, we get straight off in so many different areas. But we have to, we have to really remember that his word is what, that, that's, that's, the, that, that's what helps the spiritual war to put on the armor, the armor of God. It's the word. So I'm going to take you on a journey through my life. And even though this is about my life, it's really about God's doxological plan, meaning how he brings glory to himself. Okay? So, um, it's not showing, but <laughs> in 1972, let me do this real quick. 1972, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. I'm the third born son. And uh, I have um, two siblings. They're twins. Their name is Mark and Mike. My schooling was very strict, and I learned how to read, write, tell time, and do multiplication before I was four years old. Um, when, we, when I came to America, I was held back for a year because of um, different things doing, dealing with um, the papers and um, the educational system here. So. One moment, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, when I came here, uh, it was like this new thing for my, my whole mind. Uh, I was seeing highways and byways and different things it, it, within this culture that was uh, pretty strange to me because you know, I was four years old. And in Jamaica, we didn't have those things. So the first thing I saw on TV was, uh, I think it was called the Hindenburg disaster, and that was uh, death, you know? <laughs> and you're going to hear a lot about popular culture as I speak, uh, because this is one thing that my ministry is built upon, exposing entertainment. Not that everything on TV is wrong or anything like that, but there's a lot of it that is wrong. And... We, we are subjected to so many things, and it, it affected me throughout my whole life, and you'll get to that in a moment. So before I was born, uh, my dad, he abused my mom so much, he pushed her down while I was in her stomach, and she, she her shoulder hit uh, a shard of glass, and basically both of us could have been gone, but God had a plan, right? And being... The way I was raised is very superstitious, and <laughs> I don't remember too much about Jamaica, but it was it was it was a very interesting place to, to grow up. We had one TV channel. TV would come on maybe you know once a day, then it would sign off at a certain time. We had that here in America too, but it was more there at the time because we were behind the system here. So that again, is the beginning of my journey here. When I came here, they sent us to, to church a lot, but, you know, I wasn't a Christian. And they, they would tell us strange things in church uh, about, uh, you know, they would tell kids this, you know, you're going to go to hell and everybody's going to be burning. And I'm like, oh, you know, there's some weird stuff to tell kids. But it, it's, it's biblical. But at the same time, you got to really be careful how you're telling um, the little ones about this place of torment. And so we went through that, through that and, uh, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in was Miami, Florida, and it wasn't conducive to uh, Christianity or uh, many things that were pretty wholesome. Not that Miami's all bad, but uh, it's, it's a place like Vegas, 
There's all sorts of stuff there, drugs and everything else. So uh, I started my education in uh, about a year after I came here. I went to Brentwood, Senior, uh, sorry, Brentwood Elementary. And I was a nuisance at times because uh, my mom, when she fled Jamaica, it was, it was to get away from my dad. And like I said, again, he was, he was a very abusive person. When we arrived in America, I was four years old, and we touched down in Miami, Florida, where I was raised and spent the majority of my life. Now, I had some slides to kind of illustrate that, but I'll move forward into the next part. So God has been dealing with me on some issues that happened back then, and I was wondering why would these memories come up so often when they were laying dormant for years. And basically what happened is I was molested at one of my mom's uh, living workplaces. She was a living nurse, and she had no idea what happened. And I told her recently, but she had no idea. She couldn't even remember the, the place, but I remember clearly. And it was two individuals, and the ordeal didn't last long, and there was no penetration. But I remember them giggling like it was a game for them. The memory went dormant for years, and I didn't understand until, until uh, I didn't understand what was happening because it was seven years. I was seven years old. Okay, so like I said, all of these memories lay dormant. God dealt with me, and the the whole thing is forgiveness. Uh, the the molestation is a one of the biggest dark secrets in every family. No one wants to talk about it. People are threatened. Uh, shut your mouth, or I'll do this to your mom or your dad or whatever, whatever else. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, 76. But let, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back. I'll show you some pictures here. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Okay, so that's our, that's our Jamaican flag there, you know. I'm proud of my heritage, and it's a wonderful place to visit. Just make sure you visit the right places. <laughs> and that's the tiny island of Jamaica. I came from Kingston, Jamaica. And, you know, it's there in the Caribbean. Tiny little island right there. Boom, right on the Cuba next to um, Haiti and all that. And so now we're at 1976 where this happened to me. Uh, this is my mom. And um, that's her in her 30s or something like that, right? <laughs> so, okay, so 1979, and this thing happened to me. Uh, no one told, really told me to shut my mouth, but, you know, you, could, you, you know that's, that's the ambience that's in the air. And the reason I know that it was 1979 is because this movie was out. Prophecy, the monster movie about some uh, genetically modified bear, and, went, and they took me to see this <laughs> movie. Scary, but um, that's how I know that. That's the year it happened because I remember the commercials. So now, um, I went back to uh, Jamaica, uh, and they had a, uh, they had a short-lived uh, father figure. And I was also taken to the theater called Odeon. There is where I saw very hardcore and scary martial arts films. One depicted people taken uh, to hell and tortured in some very peculiar ways. Another. Uh, film showed nudity where the people were fighting and uh, where I was, uh, uh, at, again, seven years old. One, um, one can only speculate why they took me there, but these memories were still 
um, vivid, and they lasted for a long time, right? And, um, sorry here, in 1980s, where I went to Ohio and visited my, my father's mother for the first time, where he also uh, took an extra trip to New York. We, all of us took an extra trip to New York, and there's where I started to see films like Superman 2, and <laughs> also where I went to the Statue of Liberty, as you all know what it looks like. I, went up, I actually went inside and went up all the way to the, to the torch right there. Pretty scary stuff for a little kid, but it was, it was fun. And also saw, we, took, we drove by the World Trade Centers. As you know, this is gone now. So now, in 1981, I moved to a place in Miami called Cherry Bay. And I went and, and spent my nights watching outrageous, outrageous movies with my mother. Anything like Swamp Thing, <laughs> and uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, one of my favorite movies of all time. We, we sat and watched this all the time. Uh, as I said before, she was a living nurse, and when she came home, she would rest and, and spend a lot of time with me in that way. But there was it's also Star Wars, you know, that's the stuff that came out back then, and um, um, Time Bandits and stuff. But uh, she took on many jobs where she wasn't there often. I started acting out in school and calling the teachers' names. Uh, <laughs> I was shown a Playboy magazine by someone that was living with us. This was at the time that Star Wars and Time Bandits uh, came out. And this was the, the, the beginning of, uh, these, these things were circulating on cable TV. There was a thing called On TV. Most, if you're old enough, you remember what that is. And also, this was the start of uh, MTV. Uh, and it was gaining ground and it launched in 1981, uh, the season of Max Hedrum, if you guys remember that person, <laughs> right? So now, in 1983, I stumbled on a garbage bag full of pornography, looked at it for a while, then went home. Then I went over to my cousin's house for that summer, and he showed me pornography, pornographic films, and uh, the, the titles I won't mention. So... You know, the, the, this, this whole thing of pornography and with dealing with the molestation and all that, I didn't know all of this connected at the time, right? Uh, it, it became a part of my life, but the, these are just seeds planting right here that affected me later, and we'll get to that in a moment. So, in 1984 now, went back to Ohio for the summer where <laughs> I was introduced to this movie called Ghostbusters, and where I had a, a lot of fun, we had a lot of fun there and fond memories. The fall of that year, um, I was diagnosed with diabetes. Uh, this is back in Miami. And this sickness almost took me out, but God had other plans. My mother was uh, away working. The people in, in charge of me didn't take care of me well, and they totally ignored all the symptoms I was showing. One night, they had a party at the house, and a close friend of mine, of my, of my mother's, he noticed that I wasn't feeling well or not looking well as well. So the next day I was taken to the emergency room and then diagnosed. And I spent two weeks in the hospital. My grandmother from Ohio, same one, flew down and took care of me and uh, <laughs> when no one else would. And talk about a vegan diet. It was totally raw food and all this stuff I couldn't stand. But, you know, it worked out. And, and then she went back to Ohio. So years <laughs> in 1985 now I went back to Ohio again as you can see this is my closest grandmother loved her much and um, went back and there I was introduced to the movie Star Trek 3 right 
And we went there many times to go see this movie, me and my a friend around, and, it, and also the movie The Color Purple, right? Where me and my friend and I were introduced to very adult themes, especially the idea of lesbianism, lesbianism and that it was okay. We took, we took in the movie as just entertainment, but I know it planted seeds that I didn't suspect. Also, with the freedom we, uh, we, we, we had back then, you know, we weren't scared of people kidnapping us and stuff, um, we ended up uh, getting in trouble for stealing uh, from a local department store some really uh, petty items like gum and trading cards for movies and stuff. Um, and my grandmother wasn't happy with that because they caught me and they called her and they threatened me with police things, you know, intimidating the child, right? So that was good stuff. That was a good uh, blockage in my life from um, doing other bad stuff. So now, in 1986, <laughs> I started showing an interest in design and freehand drawing, illustration, comic books, and all sorts of stuff. I did artwork for clothing and comic books. I made um, some good money actively designing artwork for students in school. In fact, I helped a lot of students pass their history class um, and by designing posters for them and different artwork and whatever. And uh, this is where my entrepreneurial mind started to, to grow because I'm, you know, I, I love doing business and uh, giving people a service. So anyway, this is some artwork right here. Uh, you could tell, you know, it's uh, <laughs> some weird stuff, very comic book oriented. And uh, this stuff basically followed me through my high school years. And all of, this, all of these artworks are from 1991, 92, somewhere. These are some of the students that I helped, all of these students I helped pass a class in junior high school, this history class right here. And that's scrawny on me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and okay, so <laughs> in 1988, by this time I was under the influence of recording artists like N.W.A., as you can see right here, I won't, I won't tell you what the name means, but, uh, and then artists like Two Life Crew, uh, and Tupac. This is his first album here. Uh, I, I noticed this guy when he came out on a video with Digital Underground. So anyway, it's a big influence on my life, so that's why I'm showing you this stuff here. And this EPMD. This is hip hop. These are all the artists, most of these are from nowadays, some of them from the past. And then we have, uh, a lot of these dudes, they, what they, what they promote is a lot of Islamic ideas. Uh, it's a lot to go into. So anyway, you know, this, all this music started in, in the Bronx, right? So this was a big influence on my life, like I said before. Then my two brothers, Mark and Mike, they came up from Jamaica because um, my mother left them there um, to be taken care of. She had to take care of me here. So they were already saved by the time they got here. And one night we had a conversation with, uh, with, another, with one another about um, future things. So I was uh, into Nostradamus and all these things. I wasn't like reading the books, but I, was, I knew of the influence. And uh, I was always into like stuff happening in the future, but you know, the world has its own version. And so we had Bibles in our house. I knew about Jesus, um, went to church, you know, off and on or whatever, anytime our parents would send us, but I didn't know much about the book of Revelation. And my brother started telling me, and uh, it, it became basically, let's preach the gospel of Chris, right? And, and my cousin that was there. And they explained everything, and I said, uh, all I have to do is accept Jesus, that's it? He's like, yeah. They told me about sin and all the things that you need to know. And 
I basically have said to Jesus that night. And uh, so, okay, so, uh, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, I accepted Christ at 16, got baptized at a local church, and joined the membership at a place called Met- Metropolitan Baptist Church in Miami. It was a very small church at the time. Uh, the same year I met, this was the same year I met my first love, and two years later, we broke up because of rumors uh, that weren't true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in 1990, I started writing lyrics. Uh, I was, again, influenced by the music and the culture. The, the church did not understand the culture at all. They thought we were li- listening to rock and roll, which, eh, yeah, a little bit, because MTV was very prominent at the time. But we, in, in, in our culture, we were listening to a lot of the upcoming rap groups. So I started rapping. I started writing lyrics. I forced myself to become a good artist, right? And I uh, joined a rap group called Third Third Degree. I was also a part of a rap group at, in high school that I can't remember the name right now, but Third Degree got signed to a local record label, but the group broke up shortly um, after one of the, uh, the members decided he wanted to go to college after signing the contract, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but, but you know, like I said, God has many plans, and maybe that was God saying, uh, maybe I don't want this direction for you, right? So now, in 1992, I graduated high school. Later on that year, I started seeing a young lady um, that tore my whole world apart. But before I get there, this is my graduation day, (laughs) right? That's just a friend. Her name is Ruth, and she was the only one there for me. No family, no one was there, right? And that certificate right there is uh, my award, my scholarship for college. I'll tell you about that in a second. So... Graduated high school, then I met this young lady, and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of cheating and all this stuff. So it tore my whole world apart. First time going through any real, uh, well, the second time I went through a lot of real pain dealing with uh, the heart, right? And so the, the idea of fornication came into my whole life here because I wasn't heeding to the Word of God, and I was not in the Word of God, right? So God said, not to do things like fornication. They talked about it in church, but they didn't really explain the ramifications. We never really understood. 15, 16, 17, 18, I mean, we know some things, but we just don't know the repercussions, the pregnancy, the, 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 the psychological aspects, all these things, right? So it was still my choice, right? Um, but the influence was definitely there. And what does God say? God says to flee fornication. See that face right there? <laughs> That's the face we need to make when we're challenged to have sex with somebody outside of wedlock, right? And if people don't know, that's Robert. <laughs> and so we want to read 1 Corinthians. It says, flee fornication. It doesn't say stay there and wait. Let me see what happens. Just be comfortable in this position. Flee it, right? Every sin that a man doeth, is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have uh, of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Right? And th- this is a, a problem that plagued me for <laughs> most of my adult life, right? But again, it's still, I want people to be clear, it's still a choice, it's still a sin, it's still something I had to think about doing, 
right? And it's not just because of the cultural influence, it plays a part, but you know. So anyway, in 1993 now, started college uh, for graphic design as my major and also started a rap group called Legion of Skills. And um, I met a guy named G. Brown on On Point Entertainment who helped us get uh, a few gigs and maneuver through the industry, uh, the music culture, my career got put on hold. Um, after a group member decided he was, again, going to take an advanced education and left the college. It's another group member, right? So I dropped out of college uh, after the first semester. But is that sum in that summer, I went to a Redman conference, sorry, concert. And I, wished it, I witnessed what might have been uh, my first uh, side of a demonic manifestation. He was doing the songs on stage, and all of a sudden he just fell off the stage. I mean, literally fell off and, and, and rolled into the crowd. The crowd was surrounding him, and I saw him foaming at the mouth and like having seizure. And he jumped right back on stage and just continued the song. I was like, no way. There's no way this guy just did that and just got right back on beat. There's no way. So I know it wasn't a gimmick, though, because he was literally foaming at the mouth. So anyway, that's Red Man. <laughs> and he has pentagram, uh, pentagram in, his, in his hand and everything. We knew that the music at the time was somewhat satanic or whatever, but we, we have our own reasons for explaining it away. Okay? So then... Now in 1994, I started working at the largest music distributor in the country, Alliance Entertainment, formerly known as Jerry Basson. But this is a part of my life where I started messing around with young ladies again, still not heeding to the word of God um, and what it declares. I restarted uh, another rap group called, I restarted Legion of Skills, and this time put the brand on it, Archangels, because uh, I, was, I was going to church more frequently, and I, I felt like a tug on my heart to do more music for God than from the world. But the rest of my group members were saved anyway, but <laughs> that's another story. So, and then I teamed up with a producer called Rockmaster and his group called the Hellraisers, right? And um, these are some pictures of me uh, and my group members. <laughs> and we did shows and ran in the underground circuit until again, uh, my music career got put on hold. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's me again in my 20s. Uh, that's me in the orange shirt there. <laughs> and um, a friend went off to college, and we, we had to end that again. And this seems like a trend, right? So now, in 1995, the album Liquid Swords came out. And this is where I got my first personal demonic attack. And Liquid Swords was made by a guy named Jizza, who comes out of the, the, the group, the Wu-Tang Clan. And this is a symbol, and they watch a lot of martial arts films and stuff. But these guys are what you call five percenters. They're, they're an offshoot of Islam. And so you don't know what these guys are praying over the music, what type of spirits are behind them or anything like that. But we, we were highly, highly uh, involved in this, in this stuff. Played it. I was the type of guy to go to school with my headphones on all the time, unless my tape broke or I didn't have batteries from my cassette player or whatever. Yeah, we used cassettes back then, and not CDs. So um, this is the album Liquid Swords right here. And the reason I'm bringing this up because you know many people talk about demonic attacks. I was going to sleep with this album playing day and night. I mean, when I go to sleep, it's playing. When I wake up to go to work, it's playing. Then I leave. It's in my car. Okay. We don't know what type of doors we're opening. And 
I started to go back to church heavily at this time. And I guess the spirits didn't like that. Right. So <laughs> every it started happening every other night. And I started to get spooked, like I would get held down in the bed. And this is not normal sleep paralysis. This is really, I felt the spirit. I felt, I felt the, the tingly uh, <laughs> feeling. I've, I've heard of the high sound frequency anytime they come into the room. So this happened to me every other night, and I got spooked. I would tell people at church. And we're like, oh, you're just giving the devil too much credit. Oh, really? So <laughs> they didn't understand anything I was going to. So the only person I could turn to is, guess who? God, Jesus, right? And I, and I prayed a prayer. I said, Lord, I, need, I don't know why this is happening to me, da 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 And I didn't really expect an answer, really. I didn't. Three days later, I get a dream. And one of the, the songs, uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, uh, sorry, Mad Black Man or something like that, uh, was playing in the background, then the record started skipping, and then a voice said, it's the music that you're listening to, why these things are happening. And immediately, I was like, what? So um, I had another attack after that, and this time I knew it was more than one spirit. It was like about four. And then literally, a dark, smoky cloud came up to the corner of my room, and the only thing I could do was yell out, Jesus. And they left. So, uh, after this now, um, sorry, they, I started to basically uh, listen to more biblically sound <laughs> TV programs. Uh, other people in my house started getting these attacks after they, they didn't really believe what was happening to me. <laughs> then it started going to them, right? And I don't know why it was going to them or whatever. I just know that our neighborhood is kind of built on an Indian burial ground. I don't know if that's the reason why they came. I just don't, I'm just telling you what's going on, right? So started listening to Jack Van Impey. And I, I, most of my music, I didn't necessarily throw them away. I just put them off to the side a little bit, started listening to more classical music and whatever. Because, uh, you know, I, I got spooked and <laughs> the Lord actually gave me a message. I don't know what to do really. And most of the church didn't understand what's going on. So boom, here I am again. And then um, every Wednesday night I was listening to Jack Van MP on prophecy stuff. And um, I was very fascinated in that and by the headlines. And I also started watching uh, A Thief in the Night series. Uh, you guys are probably familiar with that. The older crowd, right? It came out in the 70s. <laughs> and it wasn't the first time learning about the rapture, but uh, it put things in a perspective, even though it was a, a bit campy. I found myself praying to God to keep me during all of this, not knowing the full scope of his mercy. But I still didn't pick up my, my Bible enough to get to know his heart like I should have. So 1998 now is where I met my daughter's mother right here. <laughs> didn't want to show her face. Uh, I met, this is where I met her, her mother. And, but that relationship became very turbulent, and the situations were, uh, didn't enter. The situations that we entered into the relationship wasn't conducive to what God ordained. And we were definitely unequally yoked and began living together for various reasons that were all wrong. Besides that, neither of us knew how a relationship uh, should operate uh, partly because we didn't have good examples, especially in raising uh, in a rising culture that encouraged 
the destruction of the family, you see some of the fruits of Satan plans even more today, right? And, and, um, and in, in that year, my brothers and I started uh, learning how to design on a computer and strove to get my art, I strove to get my art out to the world. My brothers and I also started an online inspiration Christian gallery called inspix.com. Um, it stands for Inspirational Pictures. It gained a lot of traffic on, on an online appeal. And my brother Mike said that God is the one that put in his heart. Uh, so glory to God for that. And this is just a sample of uh, one, some of the artwork. Uh, it's about forgiveness. And uh, this one time is almost up and many, many more. So anyway, in 1999 is where I had my daughter Nikita, April 7th, uh, 90, I mean, sorry, 7.45 a.m., Right, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so and so in 2000, I moved out of my mom's house um, with my daughter and started rapping again in a group called Goldeneye. And in this space of time is where I found out how much of a responsibility it is to raise a child. This is also the year. I found out how accessible pornography was, but the addiction was minimal compared to how addicting it became later. And uh, my daughter would uh, would follow me to the bathroom, and one day she slipped and fell. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is hard," <laughs> you know, because and to this day she follows me everywhere, you know. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, "I'm in the bathroom," <laughs> so. We have a really close relationship. In fact, when she was born, uh, about six, six to eight months later, she would climb up in, uh, out of the crib and then fall on the bed and then crawl over and lay on my back and, and sleep that way. So I guess God had a plan there too, right? So, um, okay, so now in 2001, I started bootlegging and uh, CDs and stuff. And, it, and, and in that also came an on and off addiction to pornography because I started doing CDs alone, then everybody wanted DVDs, and of course that stuff came in as well. And as a Christian, we know that's wrong, and all of it is wrong, but then you add on pornography on top, on top of that, you're just helping the demonic realm even more. And then I started, at the same time, uh, doing the, 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 the group thing and putting out a CD with my group Goldeneye, and that's just some of the promotional stuff that we did back then. Uh, that guy that you see right there with the glasses on was not a happy person. Was not a happy person. Had a lot of pain um, inside, dealing with women and whatever they cause in my life or, and what I helped to cause in my life. And I can't blame them all, right? So then in 2001, started bootlegging again. Sorry, 2003, I spent that year I guess I moved forward a little bit there. There goes me and my daughter again in 2001. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, 2003, spent that year bootlegging, and I released another CD uh, with my group, and it was just whatever, right? <laughs> it, the, the, my whole life was full of hood this, hood that, blah, blah, blah. You know the stuff you hear in the records. And but we weren't the typical thug group or whatever talking about drugs and all this stuff. We we took a, a different slant, uh, 
kind of like on the uh, James Bond type of theme, right? Secret agents, blah, 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 right? But God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. And Proverbs declare this, that we have things in our heart that we want to do. What does God say? The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Then it goes, uh, Proverbs 19.21, Many plans are in the heart of man, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. Proverbs 20.24, A man's steps are from the Lord, so how can anyone understand his own way? Proverbs 19.21, Many plans are in the heart, but the purpose of the Lord will prevail. I guess we, we, we doubled that, but good thing. Repetition is good, right? <laughs> so, now in 2004... Altercations came, and uh, this, is, this is where I came back to Christ, fully. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. So I'm taking, to my, I'm taking my brother to work one day, and he says, Hey, Chris, the Lord put it on my heart to tell you to put him first. I said, Okay, I know, I know, you know, but you know how you do that. I know, I know, but we don't do it, right? And so I was messing around with a young lady uh, then as well, and... Um, had a dream that uh, her baby daddy came and took her, and then two men came into my apartment, shot me five times in the chest, and left. But I didn't die, so I got up, and I went to uh, the kitchen, and they left the stove on, the burned the place down. I turned the stove off. I go into my computer room, and everything is gone. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's just a, a dream, right? But I still thought maybe, maybe this is a dream from God. I'm not a person that's into all, every, every dream is, you know, whatever. But three days later, five people came into my apartment, led by one of my cousins, and robbed me. And at the time, I just gave away uh, what, what I call a baby AK-47 that I could have re- retaliated with. But God has other plans, right? So... This is where I had to start really honing in on what Christ wants for my life. And forgiveness. I wanted to kill these people. And people are in my ear saying all sorts of things. I'll help you do it. I'll give you the guns. I'll do this. I'll do that. But all the time, what was in my head was, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So that happened, but and and I and I was listening to all sorts. I turned on TBN and, and all sorts of stuff, but I just wanted to get God somebody. I wouldn't open my Bible. I wouldn't open it, right? So the culture is still having an effect on me. I still have to provide for my daughter. I still have to do this. How do I get out of all this mess? But God's going to make a way, and you watch, right? So. I had to forgive the people. Then porn raised his, raised his head again. And I started selling DVDs again and um, on the streets as well. But it was, it was short-lived, the, the porn addiction. And I even started a mixtape called um, the DP Street Mix. Another, you know, rap, hip-hop, blah, blah, blah. Right? And that became very popular in Miami. But my face wasn't the face of the CD. So... I would see people, hear people playing all over the place. And the world's stardom was always just a few steps away. But ultimately, the truth inside my heart didn't want the stardom. It was just a way to make money. 
and I just wanted a way out of the uncertainty and misery of an unfulfilled life. And then me and my group released this CD, promoted all over the place and whatever, right? So then in 2005, I ended, I ended what the, the DP Street mix, and uh, because of disagreements with, with those people involved, and then I started a mixtape, and a, a mixtape, an online magazine called Secret Weapons. This went into broadcasting on the internet and everything. Um, I was doing interviews, all sorts of stuff was going on with this stuff. And then at the same time, uh, I, I, my rap group was always all, also doing another CD, and I was meeting all sorts of famous people. Some of you might might know this pe person, Lloyd Banks, very very fam famous at the time. I met other people too, but whatever. It's just the world, right? And um, after a while, I partnered with someone who had the ability to take the business uh, and the rap group to another level. We met a lot of famous people, including musicians. We were invited to film and broadcast concerts connected to the NFL, and we even had Sony PlayStation willing to sponsor our website and movement. So we're getting very close. And like I said, God had other plans, right? So in 2006, many people don't know this, <laughs> but I was homeless. A hurricane basically took out the home that we were living in, and um, me and my partner was a female, and we weren't dating at the time. We probably dated very, very, like for a month and then stopped. And so we were here in this, this place on South Beach. Uh, everybody thought we had a lot of money, but we hardly had anything. We were living check to check for real. Um, and a, a it was called Seraphim Studios. And we made money designed for clients, but didn't take in a, uh, didn't make enough money to get uh, a place to live. Every day was different, and uh, we had we made the best of it. In the middle of all that, our group Gold and I was putting uh, the finishing touches on our CD, and one of the members decides to quit the group again, <laughs> right? Right after we finished. But in, but also, there was a company ready to take us to California, all expenses paid to get us out there, and they heard none of our music. So I can't really tell you what was going on there, but God had other plans, right? And so now in the middle of all that, my partner left to Alabama, and I was just, the, the, the Lord convicted me. This heavy conviction came over me because of the music that I was promoting all this time. And I wanted out anyway, Right? And, and so he made a way out. My brother moved to kissing me. Then I said, hey, you got the truck. Let me borrow the truck. Take it down to, to Miami. And he said, yeah, sure. Moved all my office equipment out, put it in my mom's garage, and that was it. But not just that, not just the end of the business. It was the end of, well, basically, in the middle of that, too, I had a slight return to pornography. Keep that in mind, please. Right? By the end of that year, I ended up, uh, I ended a 16-year career in rap music and production. God was moving on my heart to get out, and he provided a way. People were upset, but I wanted to follow Jesus. A freelance designing career was all that I had left to fall back on, so I went uh, from being homeless and on my way to a career, uh, and on my way in a, in, a, in, a, in a career to the satanic music industry, but to, to but when I, uh, sorry, I grew up, the home I grew up in, with my mom and brother, that's where I went back to. And by the way, my addiction to music ended 
it just ended. I no longer desired the filth that, 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 uh, and couldn't stand the sound any longer, but there was something still lurking that seemed like it wasn't going to return. And we know what that is, and I'll get to that in a minute. But remember, music was my life. That, that was it, right? So that was my idol. And God, through his sanctification, took it away. I mean, I couldn't stand it anymore, any of it. I didn't care who it was. I couldn't stand it. So uh, that was a CD that we put out, and uh, this was us promoting all this stuff. All type of weird people and whatever. <laughs> we went to music shoots and all this stuff. This illustrates my love for music. And now, in 2007, a totally new life, somewhat. And I started on the course of getting to know God more and learning more uh, about my favorite subject, Bible prophecy. This is the year I founded uh, the studies of Pastor Billy Crone. And this illustrates what I thought about my life. I, I, I did this design based on me leaving my own life. There goes the old car, green pastures, blah, 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 right? And so I, I stumbled on Pastor Billy's sermon, The Final Countdown. And I binge-watched this stuff, man. <laughs> and other studies, too, and other people that were very concise in, in, in their real belief on Bible prophecy. And so... So, so also, this, this, this sermon here talked about the Jewish people and other subjects that I just didn't know about, modern technology. And, started, and I started to play a game called Halo 3, right? And I played video games my whole life. This is another, another part of the pop culture. And my brother introduced me to a game called Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare. And I wasn't interested in the game at first. And it's the illustration of what the game looks like. And also Halo 3, very popular games at the time. And in 2008, death became real. My mother's mother died, and, and she's the one that was the glue to the family. And the mid-90s, uh, in the mid-90s, so her passing was very felt across the board. And that's grandma, right? And um, after her death, most of the family splintered into uh, their own factions. And in the fall of that year, uh, Call of Duty, World of War came out. And it was the most addicting game I have ever played. <laughs> Especially now that uh, they introduced zombies, right? And uh, I, I can go on and on about video games, but that's what I was addicted to at the time. And especially with the death of my, uh, my, my grandmother, I just played it. I didn't want to know about it. I didn't want to concentrate on all of that, right? 2009, got a job at a design company. In the middle of the job opportunity, I was given a message that I would come out of the background and speak more. I'm not charismatic or anything, or, but the lady pulled up, <laughs> and she was the aunt of the, of the secretary. She came in and she said, hey, I got a message from God. And I'm like, oh, and then she starts speaking in tongues. Like, oh, you know? But I said, okay, go ahead. And she said, God wants, uh, wants you to change your diet. I said, in my head, I'm like, anybody can say that. Right, because you have uh, uh, something going on with your stomach, which was right. But anybody can say that. And then she said, "You need to come out of the background. God is telling you to come out of the background and speak up more, and you know, stop being so afraid and do other, all these other things." And that I was going to go through a long period of suffering, but God would take me out of it. And 
I, I said, okay, thank you, and you know, she said goodbye and everything like that. And I was sitting outside of my job at the time. Went inside, went to the boss, boss fires me. I'm like, what? <laughs> so so uh, I had to walk home for two hours thinking about contemplating what I, what, what I just heard and all this other stuff. So, okay, so again, God has all the plans because I was, I was willing to work for the design industry anytime. Same year came out. Call of Duty, <laughs> Modern Warfare 2, right? And everybody lost their mind. We were addicted to this game, played it day and night. We didn't care. At this time, I, did, I, I didn't have a job, so I had time to burn, right? And we all had, okay, day and night, like I said, and I, I felt like this, this is better than going out and getting in trouble and doing anything wrong in the world. But that was deception, right? So now, 2010, my mother's dad, my dad's mother dies, right? And this is the one I talk about all the time in Ohio. That's her when she was younger. That's when she hurt when she was older. And this hit me hard. Um, she was being taken care of uh, by a living nurse at a, at a private home. After a while, she was diagnosed with cancer. She was a heavy smoker. Her death really hit me hard, so hard that I hit the bottle. But it did nothing to ease the pain. So I just um, had to return to God for comfort. But in this year, another game came out, Call of Duty Black Ops. And man, did I spend time burning out this game, right? And, and this is all, I can make 80, 80 different excuses, but it was also the year that my mother's uh, daughter, um, sorry, my daughter's mother, <laughs> ran off with my daughter and I didn't know what to do, right? So these are two young ladies that I helped raise. Uh, obviously, one's my daughter. The other one is, um, she was there uh, three years, they're three years apart. And uh, she just left, uh, telling people I was beating her up and stuff. Nothing, none of that happened. She was just mad that I, I put my daughter back in school. That was it, right? And so 2011, it wasn't until 2011 that I saw her again in the summer um, of June, to be precise, I had a, a great job that the Lord provided, plus an immense faith that he was going to fix that situation in our favor um, for his purpose. Everything I tried failed, right? And that's when I got them back, right? That's me trying to be a proud father. And uh, this was the movie that was out. I know that's the movie that was out. That's, I took them to the movies when I got them back, right? And... Uh, in that year, um, Modern Warfare 3 came out, I believe. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then 2012 now, an opportunity arises for me to create an online business led by the Holy Spirit. Daily life was work, building my business. Uh, I had a regular job. Building my business and two hours dedicated to, to Call of Duty, right? Uh, before bed, yeah, I still laxed on getting into his word like I should have. And then Call of Duty Black Ops 2 comes out. I played every one of these games, <laughs> right? And, and so now, I'm going to try to speed it up here. 2013, after my last uh, time looking at the filth of pornography, I basically, I did a lot of research. So I'll just say this. Jesus Christ set me free from pornography. How? Well, I felt like after all 
the research I did on, por- on the porn industry and how these people were abused and uh, every click I made on the videos contributed to the destruction of lives. I never spent a dime on this stuff. Plus, there were times I felt like I was being demonically oppressed. And so here we have freedom from sin, right? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, right? But I still had another addiction I had to be taken away from. And trust me, it was not easy to get away from pornography. Uh, And the day that it happened, I looked at my last piece of it, I just said to God, you know, Lord, I want this out of my life completely. But it wasn't one of those things. You know how you, 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 you take some alcohol and you get drunk and you, you have this headache and you're like, I'll never do that again. Two weeks later, you're back at it. This wasn't that. This was a total surrender to God of my heart, totally. And I never had to go back to it, never desired to. I mean, there's temptations now, don't get me wrong, but I never Never desired it again. And if, if anyone here is, is, is dealing with this, turn it over to God. Uh, any addiction, any addiction. So uh, then 2013, this, <laughs> this game comes out, <laughs> Call of Duty Ghost. So anyway, um, after, after uh, this breakthrough, I started going to a local church called LifeGate International Christian Center. But again, I was still dealing with this um, stuff, dealing with, with um, the video games. And so in 2014, I got with a woman, and uh, uh, we got engaged in the fall. And, and that's, when I, uh, that's when I started the ministry, Don't Let Them Burn, because God had put that on my heart based on one of Pastor Billy's sermon. He said, are you going to sit there and just let them burn, meaning people out there, the church is not going to do what it's supposed to do. It's just going to let people go to hell. So I took that and, and made a name out of that. And that's the, the logo right there. I started with my partner, Rory, right there. And <laughs> Call of Duty came out again. <laughs> They're not going to stop <laughs> making these games. But this is, this is where... See, dealing, when you, you start in the ministry and you, you're reading the Word, I'm reading the Word of God now, getting real Bible teaching, all this stuff, this stuff started to fall off. I'm like, I play it, but I'm not going to spend all day, all night, you know, some guys are out there ruining their marriages with this stuff, right? And you're wasting the, the precious time that God has given you. So now, 2015, uh, we, I meant, I went to, um, sorry, I was looking to buy a house in Kissimmee, Florida, preparing for marriage, but God had other plans. He said, slow down and, and, and move when I say so. And this year is when, uh, we decided to go to our first prophecy, prophecy conference, prophecy in the news. And I saw Pastor Billy and, um, um, we decided, who decided to, basically I, I, I met him and Reed and everybody and he took us out to, to dinner and, and, and he said, do you want to come to Vegas? And I was like, oh, I have to pray about that one, <laughs> right? Trust me when I say this, Vegas, anywhere in our, near California is not where we wanted to be at all, okay? And not because of the people, it's just we just don't come here, right? So we, we prayed about it a little bit. 
Um, we got married. This is our trip to the Bahamas. And uh, then we came here. Uh, God made a way. We came here. And that's when I started helping Pastor Billy uh, film the attack of the drones. Skynet is coming. You guys need to check that out. It's about artificial intelligence and the drones. Uh, you need to check that out. So anyway, um, sorry, these are, here it goes. There it goes, Pastor Billy. There you are. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on a second. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So met Pastor Billy. Uh, this is the whole crew there at Prophecy of the News. Right? Debbie, Bobby, uh, uh, Reed, and Katie. Um, you know, it, we had a wonderful time. Met a couple people. Uh, that's Paul McGuire. And uh, this, is, this is the start of everything that you see now today. Those that know me, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but that year, guess what came out? <laughs> right? <laughs> So I played the game, I did, but the addiction faded to the point that people were wondering, why aren't you online? And I told them I have ministry work to do. That's what ministry work does. It takes you away from all of these worldly things. Not that you can't have fun, but it's better than running around the game murdering people all day, right? 2016 is... Uh, basically, after a year of marriage, my wife abandoned us to go back to her old life. It was a hard time, but God has many plans. The blessings started pouring in when she left. Not to say anything bad. I'm just telling you what happened. And by the fall of that year, I met plenty of connections that were invaluable to the ministry, my personal ministry. And, you know, don't worry. Me and your kids are very happy. Very happy here at Sunrise Bible Church. Um, I love my church family. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so this is how I'll end it. Um, Don't Let Them Burn is, again, my personal ministry. Thank you. <laughs> and it's been growing, and God is doing a lot of amazing things through it. I met a lot of people, being able to minister to a lot of people. Um, Pastor Billy is a great um, mentor, a leader, and all that. <laughs> so you, you, you be, be glad that you have a person like Pastor Billy with you. Um, and I just want to say again, if, if you are addicted to anything, but especially pornography, uh, you need to really heed to the, the, the calling of God if you're saved. If you're not saved, you know, we're, we're all born in sin, uh, every single one of us. And Jesus Christ came down from glory to shed his blood for all of us. And if you know Christ, you know what I'm talking about. There's no other peace. There's no other sanctuary that you can go to other than Jesus Christ. And um, please heed to his call today. He rose on the third day and ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He is God. No, one, no matter what no one tells you, he is God. 
And I can tell you tons of stories where he's um, acted in my life, and I'm pretty sure you could tell me a lot too. So this is the end of my presentation. Let's go to the Father. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing me through this uh, presentation. And uh, please move your spirit on the hearts that need to be moved today, Lord God. And, um, and everyone out there on the internet, Lord God, let your spirit just move, Lord God. We just thank you so much for what you've done on the cross for us. We thank you for great leadership. We thank you for this awesome church and the church family, Lord God. And if anyone needs to pray, we have deacons here. Um, I'll be up in the front. Um, and Lord, just move your spirit, Lord God. That's all I can really say. Just, I just want to see people saved and people rededicating their life to, Lord, to, to you, Lord God. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, You shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, You shall not Use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. 
such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow, may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. you to think of a time when you had control over your mind. Now think of a time when you let anything into your subconscious. Have we been led to a critical junction by unseen forces? What does this mean for the future of mankind? What have you been trained to believe about UFOs and aliens? Have you been deceived? Are you waiting for something to show up? 
and this groundbreaking documentary film. The veil will be lifted, your eyes will be open, as the truth is exposed like never before. We are not alone, but they are not what you think. Disclosure is near, so what will be the event? The one event that will fool a global population in the last days? Find out soon as we uncover the alien deception. Entertainment Frontlines. If you like our videos, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to get all our frequent updates.